This is the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. And on episode number 133, we explore the intersection of desperation and grace with Nancy McKay from AmazingOutlookCoaching.com. One of my favorite things is, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. It's not the circumstance that creates your suffering. It's your thoughts about the circumstance. Hi, this is April Tribe Juke, author of Pinpoints of Light, where I help the battered, beaten, and broken discover their strength to change from victim to victor. Thanks for listening to with Dr. Brad Miller, where he helps you to overcome adversity to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. This is the podcast where we speak to you and your life, helping you to navigate adverse conditions like a death in the family or disease or desperation, or perhaps a uh, in a debt, anything along this line which gets you stuck. We help you to navigate those adverse conditions and come out to a better place, a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. And we do so by doing some teaching and leadership and speaking to our guest who can help you, guide you, navigate the, through this process. We've got lots of resources over at our at our website, drbradmiller.com, got a free gift for you there, which will help you to frame your day for success. Today on Beyond Adversity, we have a great coach with us who believes that to be courageous, you must first be vulnerable. Her name is Nancy McKay, and she had moments of complete desperation in her life related to alcoholism. She had issues with being dealing with cancer, uh, had thoughts of suicide, things in her life that brought her to a place of desperation. And she realized on her 58th birthday that things had to change. And our conversation today is about what she did to change, how she implemented some new details about how to use your mind and transform your life and your belief system, and she's going to be helpful to you today on episode number 133 of Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. So let's get into our conversation with Nancy McKay from AmazingOutlookCoaching.com right now. We have a great coach with us today, Nancy McKay. She is here with us from the coaching program called AmazingOutlookCoaching.com. And she is all about helping people to move beyond adversity, particularly in the sense of breaking the cycle of unhealthy habits, behaviors, and addictions. So, Nancy, great to have you with us today on Beyond Adversity. Thank you so much, Brad. It's a delight to be here. It's awesome to have you with us. And you are speaking out of your own life experience where you've had some adverse conditions of your own to overcome. And I'd like you to speak to that, to our, uh, to our audience for a minute about some of the things that you had to face in your life, some adverse conditions, I like to call them, 
and then what you did to uh, to break out of that cycle yourself. Tell us what the situation you found yourself in and what you did about it. Okay. Uh, well, f- first, I grew up in an alcoholic household. My father was an alcoholic, and my mother was a heavy drinker. <clears throat> and so I also became an alcoholic, um, partly because of genetics and partly because of how I chose to cope with life. And uh, my father committed suicide in 2007, and that changed my over-drinking into alcoholic drinking. And I was uh, having a difficult time coping with the grief and the guilt that I felt over his death. And it just really kicked my drinking into high gear to the point where one evening after happy hour and an argument with my husband, I decided that everyone would be better off without me. And I took my husband's handgun out of the nightstand and put it to my head. And fortunately, the safety was on. Mm. When I figured out how to release it in my drunken state, um, it wasn't pointed at my head, thank God. And uh, the gun was, it went off. And the only thing that got shot was an innocent pillow on the bed. (laughs) So, Holy cow! What a, yeah. dr- what a dramatic story! <laughs> it was a it was a dramatic ending to my drinking career. Yeah. So uh, just basically, when the gun went off and you killed the pillow, I guess did that did that was that a wake up call for you? That was, was it. it yeah, that was it. That was uh, that was um, my uh, knock upside the head by the universe or God or. Um, whatever you choose to believe, um, in your higher power. And, and that's all it, that's what it took, uh, for me. And I haven't had a drink since. And that was March. Well, that was March 13th, Friday, the 13th of March, 2009. Holy cow. Wow. That is a dramatic story. And you literally had a immediate, you immediately stopped drinking right then. That was, that was it. That was it. Because that's not the case with a lot of folks who deal, you know, with, you know, with uh, substance abuse is it's got to be a long drawn out process. You know, that's not to say that I didn't have my, um, you know, my ups and downs in the years preceding that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had abused alcohol for a long time and, um, but it, it was that, um, sudden catastrophic instance that uh, changed changed it for me i i knew that i could no longer safely drink and um so the threat to your life by taking your own life or by accidental or whatever the situation would be just really got your attention and became just a dramatic, bold episode there. And, but I'm yeah. sure that wasn't the end of the, that can't be the end of the story because you didn't have to take that shocking moment that you had, the dramatic moment. And you got to, 
implement it. You got to do something about it because right. the alcohol is still available to you. The, sure. gun, the gun is still available to you that if you had sunk back into, you know, depression or whatever it was, you know, it's still there. It's still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the things that you did then to respond to the ongoing, you know, pain that you were medicating with alcohol and right well so i i um started working a 12-step program okay and um fortunately my neighbor one of my neighbors was in aa and um she took me to my first meeting first couple meetings um of course i was absolutely devastated that it had come to that and um so that's you know the and I, you know, so I, I worked a, a really good program and I've, um, stayed sober. It's almost been 12 years and, um, I've learned a ton about myself and, um, a lot about the disease of alcoholism. And I've learned a lot about mindset, which is what I work on with my clients now. And, yeah. um, Oh, that is, that's awesome. Well, so it sounds like some of the actions you took after the shock of the, I guess what I'll say it, a suicide attempt, but the, 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 the drinking and the gun going off and, but you were able to see, got some help with a f- neighbor a friend, and then you actually went to a 12 step program and then you must've followed through as well. You know, so oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did everything. To, yeah, I did all the process. You do it the whole twelve steps is what I'm trying to say. Yep, yep. So I was... I went through everything, you know, multiple times, and you know, I I um, attended meetings every day for over a year, and then you know, several what I'm times to a say week. Is, and... is you really committed to the process? Is what? I'm oh, absolutely. To I my, I knew that my life depended on it. Yes, and there was no, uh, there was no dancing around anymore. You know, um, mm. I had in the years leading up to to, you know, the Friday the thirteenth incident. Um, you know, I had overdone and laid off and switched switched flavors and <laughs> you know okay. switched from. Um, hard stuff to wine and you know whatever you know we all do it anyone who do you see try to kind of mitigate it or oh sure you know nobody wants to quit drinking for crying out loud (laughs) you know there's no fun in that right but uh uh you know when when you realize that the the you know the gig is up um there was just no getting around it anymore. I knew that I couldn't drink safely. I knew that it would be, um, you know, it was just, uh, I couldn't do it and I couldn't, I couldn't do it to myself and I couldn't do it to my husband who was absolutely beyond devastated that I would even think about doing something like that. Wow. And was you know, just curious, this curious to back up and say, was he with you or was he present in the house? He was in the house. Yeah. He was oh. in the living room. I was in the bedroom. And, um, you know, when we got home, we'd been to a happy hour and, um, I staggered out of the, 
restaurant door. And when we got home, I'd realized that I'd finished the little tiny bit of wine that we'd had left in the bottle that we had in the fridge. And, and when we got home, I went, damn it, you know, should have stopped at the liquor store. We're all out of wine. Hmm. And he said, well, I think you've probably had enough. And that those few words just sent me on my way and I got mad and then I got sad and then I got suicidal. Okay. And um, he was in the living room watching television and I went to the bedroom and had a really big pity party for myself. And by the end of it, I determined that, you know, everybody would be better off without me. Wow. And so this was a dramatic moment for him as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Well, so you went to the 12-step program and you followed through, which is for folks who know about this type of thing, you know, it's not just a, you know, it's not just a few week thing. It is an ongoing right. thing for a, a right. long period of time. And it, it it's an investment of your time and energy and your money and everything else in order to really seek out healing and wholeness. And that's, mm-hmm. I really yep. commend you in that. And a, a part of the process though, for the 12 step program is, you know, and those who are involved with it know is that you, you have to go to a deeper place, you know, in a kind of a spiritual or a place greater than, greater than yourself. And absolutely. And I would just want to talk to you about that for just a few minutes here for you to respond to that about what part, if any, did this play, you know, the part of the 12 step program about connecting to a higher power and your, whatever you would determine in your case, a spiritual thing, religious thing, or through counseling or whatever. Tell us about the, how, if it was important to you in your healing process and if so, how was it? Tell us about your journey, your spiritual journey in this process. Sure. Well, I've always been a, a fairly spiritual person. I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, you know, it, it was at the point, to the point where I I could, you know, I found myself choking on the word God when I first got sober. I, I had a tough time with it. And so for a while, I called God Murphy. I don't know why, but it just made it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I okay. made, you know, I, I had to um, substitute the word because I, I guess I was just mad at God. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but one day um, it wasn't, you know, I got sober in March and it was maybe May. Um, so a couple months I was uh well it must have been even before the or after i don't know anyway it was dark it was early in the morning it was dark the sun hadn't come up yet and i was sitting on the patio with my coffee and my marlboro lights and i knew that i had to make this connection with my higher power in order for me to get it you know and uh i hadn't really you know i hadn't been able to make this connection yet and i sat there on my patio and i closed my eyes and i took a deep breath and i said god if you're out there you're gonna have to show me a sign and about you know 
less than a minute later, I started feeling warm all over. And it felt like the sun was just shining on me. You know, I could, I could imagine this golden light warming me up. And I opened my eyes and it's still dark, <laughs> you know, um, it, the sun wasn't up. The sun was not shining on me. I wasn't warm from the sun. Mm-hmm. It was this knowing that I wasn't alone, that I had this higher power. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever felt that. And so did you find the warm glow? Did you find it comforting? Did you find it oh, scary? God, yes. did you, yeah, yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. It was very comforting. It was um it was like, you know, ask and you shall receive sort of thing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and it it changed everything. It changed everything. And and how, uh, and how do you think this was played a part, Nancy, in your you know, you, you've actually, you know, you've, you've faced alcoholism, you faced the challenge of the, and I assume this experience you're sharing about, was this after your dramatic experience of trying yeah, to convince? Yeah, okay. this was, yeah, this was a couple months. So that's thinking, part of your, you know, part of your healing yep. process here. Yep. How do you feel like that was uh, pivotal if it was in terms of coming out to a better place? Uh, oh, it's hugely process. pivotal because then I, I recognized that I actually did have a higher power because I didn't really believe in that nonsense before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made, it made everything so much easier because I knew that I could hand anything over that I couldn't handle. I could hand it over to this higher power. Um, and and I did that a lot, you know, I just, you know, gave it up and and that ended up, you know, helping me immensely um, six years later when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And when I was going through the wait and see period before I had my surgery, um, I had a moment where I was just overcome with fear and I was uh, standing at the top of our staircase and getting ready to go down the stairs and and I was just overcome with this horrible fear and I stopped about you know a few steps from the top down and and said God I can't take this I you know you've got to take this fear away from me because I'm flipping out. <laughs> and by the time I hit the bottom of the stairs, it was gone. Wow. So do you feel like you were, um, I just, I share with you some observations to make with you that you spoke of God a little more uh, freely when you talked about dealing with your cancer situation. Mm-hmm. And you talked about when you started to deal with your alcoholic situation, mm-hmm. did you notice you were able to put a little more of a personality or identity or some sort of a framework on your understanding of a higher power after 
So working through the process a little bit, were you able to yeah. make it a little more personal is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I certainly, um, you know, I believe in the power of prayer and I believe, you know, obviously in a higher power and, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've just, I've got a thing about organized religion that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, doesn't, yeah. you know, okay. kind of flies in the face of, of, um, religion, but we're not only talking about organized religion. We're talking about your spiritual walk right. here and my, and, you know, that some people experience their spiritual walk through organized religion and some people experience mm-hmm. it in other mm-hmm. ways. And mm-hmm. I believe you can do both, but Absolutely. what I, what I want to, get with you is it seems to me nancy you were a little bit better equipped when a dramatic situation regarding cancer came along a few years after you had your life-threatening episode Mm -hmm. regarding your alcoholism do you feel like you're a little better equipped to handle this dramatic situation in your life oh god yes yeah and i don't you know if it if i didn't if i hadn't built up my spiritual practice and had, had become, um, you know, a believer in my higher power, then, then things would have played out much differently. First of all, I don't know that I would have been able to stay sober without, um, a spiritual backbone. You know, I, I think it's really difficult if you don't feel like you, have that element um for you to really handle things that are that are you know difficult that are you know when you're faced with adversity and i think you have to have a spiritual practice to lean on um for that and if it wasn't for that then i certainly wouldn't have been able to get through cancer as uh as easily as i did well, we, let's uh, let's talk about that for a second here. So you 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 had the drama and the trauma of getting through your alcoholism, and mm-hmm. now you're actually saying that you had a diagnosis of cancer, which is dramatic in and of itself. But you literally just said, Nancy, that you got through the process of dealing with cancer easily. Now, many people wouldn't say that, would they? You know, many people would say, "Oh my gosh, cancer! You know, it's the greatest drama trauma of your life." But you actually said. Tell me about this process here. You now consider getting through cancer. You use your term easily, but tell us about that process of how you did that after you've gone through, you know, the alcoholism and so on. Well, yeah, I, I will. And, it, you know, when you're, um, when you're faced with alcoholism, I guess, and especially how I came into it, and as dramatically as I got out of it, um, it it does ch- kind of change how you um, approach things. You know, things aren't quite as um, well. I don't. I, I don't actually. I, I was going to say they're not quite as terrifying, but. But that's not true for I would be lying if I said that. So I was scared to death when I was faced with the prospect of having cancer. I mean, I, 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 as I said, you know, I was coming down the stairs that day and I was overcome. And but it 
but my higher power took that fear away from me. And then I was fine. And I knew I would be fine. There was something that I knew. And when I woke up from my surgery, I found out that I had an early stage ovarian cancer that normally isn't found. But fortunately, I had uh, symptoms that normally don't come up. So I was very, very lucky. Now, Mm -hmm. I believe that my higher power had something to do with that. Sure. But what you achieve, what you achieve was something that I think a lot of folks are after, which is peace of mind, you know, that they get the peace of mind is usually not an instantaneous thing. For instance, when you had your, your, your suicide situation, it wasn't instantaneously after you woke up, you know, you shot the pillow, you didn't instantly have peace of mind. You had to go through this process. Same thing with your cancer, cancer diagnosis. You had your shocking moment of the diagnosis and the fear and the trembling and all that came with it. But you came to a place a little more directly, a little more process oriented of a peace of mind deal. And that's what people are after, I believe, Nancy, is this peace of mind. Absolutely. You've got to go through a process. You've got to go through the adversity to find it. And a piece of that is, you know, the the taking the bold action, the doing what you got to do, your higher power. But another piece of it is health is relationships, loving, powerful, life enriching relationships sound like maybe your husband may have been a part of that process for you but tell me about if there are people for instance in your AA groups or people your husband or maybe other people who may have helped you in the process I call it a fuel for renewal but tell me about any people or any processes that came with other people to help you in this process well I tell you I've I am blessed with uh, incredible friendships and I've I've got you know, different groups of, of friends. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a really tight group of high school friends that we still are, are, you know, just best of friends. I've got a really dear friend that I've known since first grade. Um, I've got, uh, and that's a long time ago. <laughs> and I've got. I was I wasn't going there, but uh, you know, but, but just it's a long term relationship. That, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people right, don't have, yeah. right. And then I've got you know incredible friends in the recovery community, and mm-hmm. so, um, and now I've got wonderful friends in the coaching community. So it's it's uh, you know the coaching community friends weren't there when I went through cancer because that's post cancer, but. Um, my recovery friends and my high school friends and, and everyone was, was there for me. And that's, that was one of the gifts of, of being diagnosed with cancer was because the outpouring of love that I received was unbelievable. I mean, I had no idea that people loved me. Mm-hmm. like they told me they did. And so, so give me an example about how some of the support or love or care was a part of your healing and wholeness process. Give me an example of a, either accountability or tough love or support or something that happened to you. Because, you know, here, I'll just go back with you. One of the things you, you mentioned two or three times in a part of our conversation, Nancy, about going to happy hour and things like that. That's one mm-hmm. people, that's one way people are seeking out, you know, something to fill a void. Right. Like how you found something here that's a little different 
that fueled health and vitality. So tell us what it's something that either somebody did or said or done to help you through this process. Gosh, there were so many things. Well, I never, I never went to a chemo appointment by myself. Okay. That's awesome. There was, you know, somebody came with me every time. And, and I mean, one day I had, I think I had four friends with me at different stages during the day. I mean, you know, nobody left me alone. (laughs) You know, it was, um, I was just held in so much support and, and I had friends come in from out of town so they could go with me. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And, and the support that I received from the people that I worked with, um, you know, I, I, I thought that, I thought that chemo was going to be a cakewalk and, um, and initially I wasn't going to do it because I had seen my mother suffer through chemo and then a, a dear friend that I had worked with died as, as a result of, uh, from a reaction from chemo. So she went straight from her chemo appointment to the hospital and she died 10 days later from a reaction. Mm -hmm. And so I was not going to have anything to do with that. Thank you very much. I figured that the treatment was worse than, than the disease and I wasn't going to do it. And then (laughs) here goes my higher power again. One day, for some reason, I just changed my mind and I don't know why, because I was pretty adamant that I was not going to go through chemo. And then one day I decided that it was the, it made sense to do it. Yeah. But you didn't, you, but you didn't have to go through it alone. Did you, you went through it with no, others? And, no, no. And, and, and you were encouraged through the process. And, right. Right. And then also when you have encouraging people in your life who fuel you on the positive way, that helps you to also deal with any situations or even, even purple people who may be toxic or unhealthy as well. Did you find that? Was the case that you may have had to make some transitions in some uh, not so healthy relationships? Well, nothing came up after my cancer, but but you know there are there are there have been some relationships that changed when I quit drinking, mm-hmm. and um, you know there are people that don't hang out with me anymore because I'm not drinking alongside them. You know, and, and that's unfortunate, but that's, you know, that, that happens, you know, and, and, you know, you hear that you have to change your playgrounds and your playmates um, mm-hmm. when you get sober and, and that happens. I mean, people are, are uncomfortable around you if you're not drinking like yeah. they are anymore. I understand one of the things that you like to say, or one of your mantras is you didn't get sober and survive cancer <laughs> to be, to be miserable. And so part of the joy of life is when you have joyful relationships, but so many people stay in miserable life situations, even miserable relationships, because that's just what they're used to. Mm -hmm. That's what they, I call it the malaise of mediocrity. You just stay stuck. And so you've chosen to get unstuck in your life, but I'm interested now in some of the things that you actually do. What are some of the disciplines? What are some of the things you did actually changed your way of life and that you now are teaching others. I'm talking about disciplines or habits or practices or, uh, you know, uh, routines that you have in your life. 
and some of the things that you're teaching others in, in your coaching. So tell us a little bit about how people can apply what you have learned in their life. Well, uh, what I help my clients with mostly is mindset work. And um, what happened to me after I survived cancer and, and for, you know, a couple years right after that, my perspective on life began to change. You know, I, I recognized that, you know, I tried to kill myself and, and was unsuccessful. And then I got a disease that typically is terminal. By the time they find it, it usually is a death sentence. And mine was found very early. And so what happened to me was I, I learned that, that I wasn't going to be miserable in my work anymore. My, my, I worked for a wonderful company, but I was unhappy. And I decided that life's too short to be unhappy. And so the year that I turned 60, I started training to become a life coach. And as a result of that, I learned a lot of tools that I now pass on to my clients. And, and all of those tools are, you know, learning how to cope with life's challenges in a healthier way. And give us, Nancy, give us an example of one or two of those tools that you teach people. Then after that, I want us to, for you to tell me about somebody that you've worked with who's had some transformation, but give us an example of those tools. Well, one of, one of my favorite tools is, and it, it, it's called the model and it was developed by a woman named Brooke Castillo, who is a, an amazing coach. And I, I, went through Martha Beck training to become a life coach as did Brooke and, and both of those um, trainings um, utilize something called the work, which was developed by a woman named Byron Katie. And so Brooke developed a, a tool called the model and it's based off of the work that Byron Katie developed. It's a kind of an abbreviated version of it. And what it does is it breaks down the process of when you have a circumstance in your life and you have a thought about that circumstance, that thought creates an emotion or a feeling and that feeling will drive an action that you take, and that action will give you a result. And, you know, so, and I, I don't know that Byron Katie was the first person to kind of land on this. I know Pema Chodron, um talks about all of this stuff. I think Wayne Dyer does. You know, it's just, it's kind of a it's a well-known process, you know, that thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions and results. And so, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, um, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And it's not 
you know, it's not the circumstance that creates your suffering. It's your thoughts about the circumstance that create your suffering. Well, I like to think about that as adversity happens to everybody. Circumstances happen, but you choose if you're going to stay stuck. Malaysia mediocrity is what I call it. Or you can move through that move. There's always a wilderness experience, but you choose if you're going to go to the promised land or stay stuck in prison to use a a biblical metaphor. But tell us, I want you to speak now, Nancy, to a minute to that person, that woman who may be stuck in some situation in life who may be listening to our, to your voice and mine today and looking to find a way to break out of this pattern and who is stuck. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's suicidal thoughts. Maybe it's a diagnosis of disease. Maybe it's dealing with this crazy COVID crisis and all mm-hmm. the crazy pressures that go along with that or, or some of the other things we have going on in our world right now, be it political or racial or any number of things. But speak, speak, <laughs> to, that, speak to that person for a minute, particularly on the context of maybe some people you've worked with. What are you going to say to that person? What are some results that they can have if they get connected up with uh, Amazing Outlook Coaching? I think, I think the biggest thing is that you don't have to stay stuck if you if you're willing to examine your thoughts and understand where they're coming from, then you can change them. So if, if for instance, you know, you, um, you think that you're, a worthless human being because you drink too much. You know, the, the, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, is that true? And then I'm going to ask you to give me examples of what makes that true for you. And then we're going to turn all of that around and we're going to, we're going to look for how you want to feel in this moment. And what do you need to think in order to feel that way? Mm, It's great. So this is the type of thing we're going to find if, uh, if we go to amazingoutlookcoaching.com. Is this an example of that? That's that's a very little tiny tidbit. <laughs> Tidbits from Nancy McKay from AmazingOutlookCoaching.com. And uh, in her uh, teaching and leadership, I hope you heard that she was talking about how beliefs and thoughts impact who we are. And many people are conditioned to that they believe things about themselves that are simply not true, and they look for other ways, alcohol and other means, in order to try to cope with them. And she teaches in her coaching about being conscious and overcoming numbing feelings and to actually what she calls to feel the feel. Uh, good stuff here from Nancy McKay from the talking about the intersection of desperation and grace on AmazingOutlookCoaching.com. Here on Beyond Adversity, we're all about helping you do the things like we talked about here today. You can always go to to our website, DrBradMiller.com. Find lots of helpful tips for you there. Uh, Lots of back issues, episodes of our podcast, the Beyond Adversity podcast. 
to help you to navigate adverse conditions in your life and to emerge victorious, a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We're here to be helpful to you. It's great to be with you here today. We hope you'll connect with us again here on Beyond Adversity. And until then, I just invite you to keep your promises because there is power in a promise kept.